Okay, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, it's great to be back with you. Uh, we've been going verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. And if you'll remember, verses 17 through 22 were kind of the big picture of putting off the old man, putting on the new man. And the verses uh, that we're in now are the application of that. What does it mean to put off the old man? What does it mean to put on the new man? And and so we're going to continue applying that and specifically looking at, at areas, specific areas of our Christian life in which that should be happening. Uh, must be happening uh, as we live out our, our Christian life. So we're going to read two verses, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. Ephesians four twenty-six and 27. It says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Father, we thank you for these verses. And God, I, I am so... Uh, Sobered by them today. Uh, Father, just realizing what a great temptation uh, lies before us uh, in the area of anger. Uh, Father, there's not anybody in this room that is above stumbling here. That is above uh, getting caught in this, this deadly trap of harboring anger in our hearts. And so, Father, we plead for your grace today. We ask you, God, to help us uh, to deal appropriately with our anger. Father, we need the power of your Holy Spirit. We need uh, our connection to Jesus uh, to give us victory in this area of our lives. So, Father, help us today. Speak to us today. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, remember... This morning's text, along with the ones before it, the ones we're going to look at next week, they're all the application of putting on the new man. Remember in in chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Ephesians, we talked about all the incredible things that have happened inside of us as born-again believers. If you're you're a believer here today, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if if you have, have placed your faith in Christ, then at some point in your life, you've been joined to Jesus Christ. You're in union with Christ. Uh, The Spirit of God dwells in you. Ephesians 1 says you're predestined to to blamelessness and holiness. Uh, You're forgiven of your transgressions. The cross of Jesus Christ has wiped away your sins. All these incredible things have happened inside every born-again believer. And what what Paul is telling us here is that those things that have happened inside a believer are going to work their way out so that everybody can see them. Okay, Now, now people are not going to be able to see you being joined to Jesus Christ, all right? That's something that happens in the spiritual realm. But they're going to be able to see your life changing as you put off your old man, as you put off the old nature, if you, as you put off the old you, who you used to be without Christ, when, when, when your thinking was wrapped around yourself and not wrapped around God. The, the Bible says there in, in Ephesians 4, 17 through 22, when, when it talked about the old nature, the things that characterize the old nature is thinking that, that leaves God out and, and deceitful desires. Desires in us that are deceitful, that lie to us. Desires in us that that, that promise us things that don't deliver. Okay? Now, as we put on the new man, as we we put on the the new self, that's going to be lived out in lots of different ways. The last time I was with you, we looked at, at, at putting off falsehood, putting off lies, and speaking truth. Okay? Now, today we're going to talk about anger. Okay? 
Now, now this is this is such an important topic because every person in this room, whether you're a student or a senior adult or a husband or a wife or a parent or a child or a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or a small group leader, we need to take heed to what the Word of God will say to us this morning because anger will destroy your life. Did you hear that? Anger will destroy your life. What we're talking about today is really life and death for you, okay? In the sense of whether you're going to live a life that is meaningful and Christ, whether you're going to live a life of joy, whether you're going to live a life of of, of being used of God, a lot of that hinges upon how you will deal with the anger in your life. It is extremely probable, okay, very possible and, and very probable that there are people in this room right now who are dealing with, just just maybe even as I'm talking, you're dealing with trying to manage the anger in your life, okay? It could be that some of you had a hard time worshiping. You had a hard time singing some of those songs, and pro- probably for a lot of different reasons. You know, number one, you just know your heart is not where it needs to be. Number two, it may be guilt. Man, that second verse, there is no song better than before the throne of God above. I mean, that is the greatest song. The, the verses of that are just amazing. Uh, that, that second verse that talks about Satan and talks about us looking to, to the one who, who, who makes us righteous. But, but if you've got anger in your heart, it may be that guilt just overwhelms you over realizing that you shouldn't feel the way that you feel. Folks, it's an urgent thing that we learn, that we obey God, that, that we figure out how how to deal with our anger in a way that is honoring Christ, in a way that is not sin. Now, now the interesting thing about today's message, you know, if, if you look at last time I was with you, when we talked about put off falsehood, you know, that's just a blanket statement. You know what? As a born-again believer, you should put off lying altogether, okay? It's never right for you to lie. You are created in the likeness of Christ. That's your new self, your new nature. When you're born again and the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you, you're created in the likeness of God. And God never lies. Remember Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18? That's what it told us. Jesus is truth, and it is impossible for God to lie. And so in verse 25, it said, put off falsehood. Okay? You should speak truth always, in every occasion, with your mouth and with your life. As a believer, you should speak truth. But I want you to notice, it says something different about anger, doesn't it? It doesn't say, what we might expect is, in verse 26, to say, put off all anger and put on peace. That's what we would expect for it to say, but it doesn't say that, does it? Look in verse 26 again. It says, this is, this is really odd, actually, if you think about it. It says, be angry. Did you notice that? I mean, there's almost a command in, in the Bible that you would be angry. Doesn't that seem strange? Let that kind of settle. We're going to explain it in a minute. But just just let it settle that there's a verse in the Bible that tells you to be angry. That's odd, isn't it? It may seem odd to us. It seems odd to us because most all of our anger we know is sin, okay? And we're trying to manage it, trying to deal with it, trying, trying to live out uh, our faith in a way that, that, that honors Christ and, and anger is not a part of that. And so this is, this is a little strange for us. But what we see here, folks, is that not all of anger is sin. And in fact, there are times that you should be angry. There is a righteous anger. Jesus was angry and it was right for him to be angry over certain 
certain things. You remember when he came into the temple and there's all the money changers and, and, and it's not a house of prayer, it's a house of commerce and people are making money and, and, and it's wrong. And Jesus was so angry that he fashioned together a whip of cords and he drives these guys out of the temple. And that was good. Jesus didn't sin in doing that. He was perfectly righteous in doing that. It was right for him to be angry. The, the, here's a verse that will blow you away. Psalm 711. Okay, get a hold of this. Psalm 711. God is a righteous judge. Okay, do we believe that? We do believe that. God is a righteous judge. God is a, a, a judge. He, he's, a, he's a God of justice. He's perfect in that. He's holy. That's why God can't just sweep sin under the rug. That's why He can't just say, Oh, hey, you know what? You're all sinners, but that's okay. Just come on in. It's all right. God can't do that because He's holy. Because He's just. That's why Jesus Christ had to suffer and die on the cross for us to be able to go to heaven because God is a God of justice. And notice what verse 11 says. God is a righteous judge and God and a God who feels indignation. That's another word for anger. And a God who feels indignation every day. God's angry every day. Isn't that what that said? Am I misinterpreting that? I don't think I am. God is angry at sin and he's angry at injustice and he's angry at oppression and he's angry at that which dishonors Christ. God God is angry at greed and deception and gospel slandering and at the multitude of abortions performed in our country every day. At the sexual slave trade in Indonesia, at turning little boys into child soldiers in Africa, at the least 30 or 40 triple X stores that that I passed on the interstate in, in, in driving to Tennessee this last week. God is angry over those things. Every day God is angry. But listen, God does not sin in His anger. You see, that's the big difference between us and God, isn't it? I, I, I mean, there is a righteous anger and, and God has that. He, he is angry over sin and we should be angry over sin. But the difference between us and God is God never sins in His anger. God is not controlled by His anger. God is not enslaved by His anger. In fact, listen to what the Bible says over and over about God. Psalm 86, verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious. This next phrase is said over and over and over and over again about God. Slow to anger. Did you hear that? Slow. That's what our God... Our God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God, God, is, God doesn't have a trigger temper. The things that he's angry about, he should be angry. He must, as a just God, he must be angry over those things. But God is not controlled, enslaved. He, he's, his, the, the anger that he feels over sin does not dampen his infinite joy. It does not squelch his confidence of the things that are going to happen in the future. The glorious future, the kingdom that he's going to bring about. You see, God's anger is... It's very different than our anger. Here's a verse that everybody I read on this passage used this verse. So I figured if I, if I don't, I'll, I'll be messing up or something. But everybody used Mark 3, 5. Every commentator, I think every sermon that I read used Mark 3, 5. And it's about Jesus. And uh, here's kind of the setting. It's, it's, it's the Sabbath day. And they're all there to worship. And there's this guy. And he's crippled. He has a withered hand. He has a hand that he cannot use. And Jesus brings the guy up and he can tell everybody's watching. All these religious leaders are watching. But you know what they're watching for? They're not watching to see, oh man, Jesus is going to heal this guy. Jesus is going to make make Fred or whatever his name was. He's going to make him well and he's going to be able to work. And man, something miraculous. Jesus is going to restore. You know what all these guys are worried about? 
Man, is he gonna is he gonna heal on the Sabbath? Is he gonna work on the Sabbath? Because you're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. I mean, do you, do you see the picture here? I mean, they're, they're, the religious leaders they're not they don't care about this guy. They don't care about his suffering. You know what they care about? The rules. And, and so here's what Jesus says. In, in, in Mark 3, 5, Jesus tells the guy to come and he asks, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And he does heal the guy. But listen to verse 5. It says, and he looked around at them with anger. Okay? So Jesus is angry at these religious leaders because of what's in their heart and what's not in their heart. But then, then notice the next word. It says comma. And then the next word is grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. But, but did, you know, did you notice the two things at, at play there? Jesus is angry, okay, over, over their hardness of heart. But, but he's grieved as well. Let me ask you, how often do, do those two emotions live inside of you? You know, when you're angry over something... You're, you're, you're just fuming and you're, you're mad and you've had an offense against you. How often at the same time are you also grieved? What does it mean to be grieved? Let me tell you the Greek definition. I looked it up of, of, of that word. I wanted to get this specific. It means to feel sympathy, to be afflicted for another. How often at the same time when you're angry with some, someone do you, over their sin, do you also feel compassion and, and sympathy and, and grief? For that person. You see, Jesus had those two things happening in his heart at the same time. He's angry over the sin, but at the same time, he feels sympathy. He feels afflicted for that person, for the people, okay? And so what we see in the heart of God is the ability to, be, to have a righteous anger, an anger over sin, but, but a compassion and, and a grieving for the sinner. So, so what, what we're seeing here today is that there is a righteous anger. And there's an unrighteous anger. And those are very different things. And, and part of what we got to do, part of what we got to figure out is how to figure out what, what we have and when we have it, right? I mean, that, that's part of what we've got to get good at is figuring out when should I be angry and when should I not be angry, okay? And when has my, even if you have a righteous anger, did you know that you're righteous anger? Let's say you're, you're, you're furious over a certain sin, you know, that you see or some, some injustice that's happening. But did you know that if you don't deal with that righteous anger rightly, if you don't deal with it as God deals with it, what's going to happen? That could turn into sin, couldn't it? I mean, what does what is, what is the verse say here? Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Okay? Jesus is saying, have a righteous anger. There are times where you should be angry, but there's never a time when you should sin. And so as we look at our lives... As we look at our anger, when, when is it righteous? When is it unrighteous? Man, I love, here's a quote by John Piper. I, I loved when he said this. Uh, really just, just kind of, I was like, yes, that, that's right. He said this about God. He says, and yet God is not the slave of his anger, like a man who sees with bitterness every day, because he is a God of peace. Man, that really helped me. God is not a slave of his anger. Yep. You ever feel like you're a slave of your anger? What does that mean to be a slave of your anger? When your anger controls you. That's what it means to be a slave, right? When you're a slave to something or someone, well, they're, they're pulling the strings, aren't they? They're, they're jerking you around. They're telling you where to go. You're boxed into a certain thing because of this because you're enslaved to it. When you're a slave to your anger, that's sin. Okay? When, when, when anger has replaced peace in your life, that is sin. 
when, when anger defines who you are and what you do and you, you can't be nice to somebody and you can't, you can't love on people and you can't minister and you can't worship and you can't do these things you want to do. What does that mean? That means you're a slave. Folks, there are things in the world that should make us angry. Okay? That, that's true. There is a righteous anger. People do things to each other, to our church family, to our children, to us that... that it's okay that they make us angry. People do terrible things to, to, to other people in, in an endless number of ways. And, and in fact, it's right. If, if, we're, if we're trying to be like Jesus, it's right for there to be an emotion stirred up within us, in us that says, stop that. I mean, it's right to stay, stop sinning, stop leading people astray, stop slandering, stop defiling, stop abusing, stop manipulating, stop hurting, stop deceiving, stop defrauding, stop cheating, stop stealing, stop divorcing, stop exploiting, stop. It's okay to have that in you that says, man, stop. But it's not okay to be a slave to our anger. It's not okay for our anger to control us. It's not okay for our anger to consume us. It's not okay for our anger to steal our joy or kidnap our peace or breed resentment or capture our thoughts or turn us into a simmering pot of bitterness. That is sin. And that will wreck your life. Do you hear that? That will wreck your life. And it will lead to a multitude of other sins. If anger is not dealt with appropriately... It will turn us to all kinds of sins. You know why it will do that? Because just like everything else we're looking at. Remember back up in, in verses 17 through 22. What was that about? Put off the old man, put on the new man. Remember, remember in verse 22, it describes the old nature. And it says in verse 22, put off your old self. We had a whole sermon on, on basically this, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Remember, everything about the old nature is fueled by and motivated by deceitful desires. What are deceitful desires? They're desires that lie to you. Okay? Now, if you, don't, if you don't manage your anger right, what's going to happen? Within you is going to well up desires that lie. Okay? That will promise things that are not true. If you allow your anger to simmer, you know what I mean by that? Simmer, you know? Uh, if you stoke your anger, if you fuel your anger, you know, you, you're angry about this thing, this, this offense happened, it was wrong, it was sin, whatever, uh, you're angry about it. Okay? What you do next is critical, okay? Because if, if you stoke your anger, if you, if you, if you let it simmer. We, we, we've been camping this whole last week, and, and somebody was watching the fire, you know? Uh, Emma's the best fire. She's fire chief, okay? She's, she's fire starter, fire. She's, she's the head of the fire, okay? And, and she, she's the best one to kind of keep that thing going. And if you do that with your anger, you know, it starts to fuel down. It starts to subside as it should, and you fuel it back up. And you keep it there. You know what that's going to do? That's going to produce in you desires that are deceitful. You're going to have a desire to hurt somebody, aren't you? Whether with your words or your action or your inaction, you're going to want to hurt somebody. That's a deceitful desire, isn't it? That's a desire in you that promises you that it will feel better to do that. That's a lie, isn't it? You, you have a desire to, to harm someone. You have a desire to be exalted over people. You'll have a, a desire to see others humiliated before you. You'll have a desire to see their wrong and your right be made known. You'll have these desires that, that promise you fulfillment and satisfaction. And they're liars. They're deceitful desires. Folks, what, what Paul is telling us is that we're not that person anymore. 
We don't believe that anymore. We're new in Christ. We have a new nature created in the likeness of God. We've learned Christ now. Remember, remember that's, that's what verse uh, uh, 20 says. It's, that's not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about Him and you were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. We know Christ now. We've seen Christ. He's in us. And there, there, there's a better way. And, and so instead of, of clothing ourselves with anger, we clothe ourselves with the peace of Christ. What should be radiating from us is not resentment, but joy in Christ. So the real question today is not, are we going to be angry? Because we are going to be angry. Okay? I don't want you to leave here today saying, okay, if I want to be a good Christian, I've got to never be angry again. That's just not true. Okay? That's not true. Um, there's there's going to be things that happen that you should be angry about. Here's the real question. What are you going to do with that anger? Okay? How, how are you going to deal with that? How are you going to manage that? What, do you, what are you going to do with that? that? That's the real question. Well, let, let me give you some things, okay? Number one, I'm not going to say a lot about this because it's really not in our text, but, but I do think it's worth saying. We, we need to be like Jesus. Remember we're created the new self and the likeness of God? We need to be slow to anger, first of all, okay? Th- there's a lot of anger that we just should not have, okay? That we just shouldn't have. There's a lot of anger that's really not about sin, and it's not about injustice, and it's not about oppression, and it's not about... It's not about any of those things. You know what it's about? It's about inconveniences, and it's about discomfort, and it's about things didn't go the way I wanted them to go. Um, we had a flat tire on the, on the interstate outside of Knoxville, and it just destroyed the tire, and I got it changed. And But I knew that before we came back, I had to get another tire, or at least I ended up just buying tires. But uh, I knew that I had to get that taken care of. And so the second day of our camping trip, we had a little time. I didn't want to do this, but, you know, I knew I needed to do this. I need to go back down out of the mountains, out of where I wanted to be, back down into the town, Gatlinburg, which is like Branson, which I know some of you really like Branson. Um, I'd rather be anywhere on earth than Gatlinburg or Branson, okay? Uh, that's just me. I mean, if I, well, I got to drive 10 mile an hour and stop for people. I mean, that, and it's, I know it's, it's not right. It's not right. But that's just who I am. I'm just telling you, okay? So I got to come down out of, the, like, out of the camp, out of the mountains where I want to be, and, and to the, find a Walmart to, to get tires. And, and so anyway, I'm, I'm driving. Well, going down to the mountain, I get lost twice, okay? And uh, I get lost twice. And uh, I finally find my way in there. I pull up. The guy says, yeah, we can do it. It'll be about a two-hour wait before we can get to you, okay? Um, and, and here's what's happening to me. I'm getting angry. Anybody identify? Nobody, right? I'm, y'all look at the center, okay? I'm getting angry. But here's the thing. I shouldn't be angry, okay? You see, there's times where we just shouldn't be angry. That's not something to be angry about. There's not sin there. There's not injustice there. You know what? Tires blow. Praise God that we didn't roll the van and kill everybody, you know? I mean, praise God that I had money to go buy. I mean, there's so many good things. It's just part of life, okay? I'm thankful for Gatlinburg. I'm thankful that lots of people want to be there. That's great, you know? Uh, There's nothing wrong with any of that. It's just I was inconvenienced. Be slow to anger. Here's what James says. James 1.19, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak. Listen, and slow to anger. I, I like the rest. Of it. I'm going to read the rest of it. I wouldn't plan on look, look at verse 20. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. You know, there, there's a lot of times in our life we just need to not be angry. Okay? Now, let's move on. 
So how are you going to deal with your anger? Well, first of all, be slow to anger. Second of all, reconcile quickly. Man, the whole Bible just shouts this, okay? I could show you all kinds of verses. Let me, let me pick a couple good ones. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. 5, 23 and 24. It says, so if you're offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you. In other words, there's a broken relationship. There's anger here. Leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. You know, Jesus paints this picture of, of the most in most inconvenient time, inconvenient time to, to leave something, which is right as you're standing at the altar about to offer your sacrifice to, you know, your once, once a year thing uh, before the Lord. He says, leave, go, go, go then. In other words, put this at the top of your priority list that you need to reconcile quickly. You need to deal with your anger. Notice what verse 26 says in our text. It says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. What is he saying? Man, you got to handle this today. Okay, if you got an angry heart in here today, it's, it's got to be done today. Okay, if you don't handle it today, if you don't handle it now, if you're not working on it, if you're not striving to, to get a hold of it now, you're going to be hurt by it. That's what Jesus is saying. You can't let this go. Anger is one of those things that it can't, it, tomorrow is not a good day. Today, you say, I'm busy today. I got all, you're not too busy to handle your anger because if you don't handle this, there's nothing worse that's going to happen by, by, by you letting go of whatever you've got to do and getting, getting a hold of your anger. If you're angry, you've got to get it settled today. How are we going to pull that off? If, if you're going to pull that off, there's, there's three things you cannot do. Okay? Are you ready? If you're going to handle your anger today, if you're going to get a hold of it today, there's three things you, you just cannot do. Number one, you cannot nurse your wounds. Okay? Anybody ever do that? Avery's not in here. She's back in children's church, so I'll talk about her. But, man, Avery's one where when she scratches her leg or bumps her toe, man, you got to hear about it for about a week, you know? I mean, just just constantly. And, I mean, it's, and it's nothing bad. You know, it's just a kid thing. But it's like, Dad, look, you know, look, Dad. I'm like, I've seen that 20 times, you know, and it's not changing. But, you know, we do that emotionally, don't we? And we've been hurt. We got offended. We got slighted. We got neglected. We felt unloved. We felt uncherished. We felt dishonored. And it happened. And it was sin. Okay? Amen? It was sin. We're not, we're not saying it wasn't sin. It was sin. What are you going to do with it? You need to get it to the cross. Okay? But you know, you know what we're, we're apt to do? We're apt to nurse it, aren't we? We're apt to, to hold it tight and to look at it. Look at it again. Take the bandage off. Look at it again. Show other people. We like to do that, don't we? We like to show other people. Here's what happened to me. You see this? You know? Folks, if you're going to handle your anger, you can't do that. Okay? You just can't. You can't nurse your wounds. You can't review the offense. You got that tape playing in your mind? You cannot. You got to throw it away. Okay? Tapes were out a long time ago. Throw it away. Okay? You, you can't replay it over and over again in your mind, okay? We, we have a way of doing that, don't we? This was said. I mean, you got that thing that was said to you, and you'll listen to that a hundred times. You can't do that. Not if you're going to manage your anger. Number three, you can't imagine revenge or justification, okay? 
the whole creating these scenarios of how that person's going to pay and how God's going to get them and how whatever, you just can't do that. You can't replay that in your mind over and over again. Those are three things you can't do if you're going to manage your anger. If you're going to get it done today, you're going to have to be thorough and you're going to have to be aggressive about putting out the fire. Okay? You were angry, maybe righteously, maybe you should have been, maybe you said what you should have said, but after that, you got to put the fire out. <laughs> and that, man, that, that's got to be done thoroughly. Okay? We, we had, a, had a deal, Emma, Emma, the great fire starter, started a fire at, in our camp uh, about the second or third night. And, uh, man, it was just blazing, you know, the whole night. And it was about 11 o'clock. Everybody else was in bed. And him and I were going to bed. And, and so I, I had one, one pot of water there. And usually I put like two or three, but I had one. And I didn't want to walk all the way over and get water. And so I just put the one on. And I doused it with this whole bucket of water. You know, I mean, put it out. I mean, it's out. It's black, okay? But I only put one bucket of water on it. About 12.30, I wake up, I smell smoke. <laughs> and, uh, and not only do I smell smoke, but there's light outside our camp. I mean, the thing is blazing, okay? You know what? Has ever happened to you emotionally? You thought you dealt with something? Ever happened? You thought you dealt with it? You put one can of water on it, you say, okay, that's done, I'm over that. And you moved on. And man, a day later, a week later, a month later, something happened, you're weak, and this thing blazes up inside of you. Folks, we've, we've got to be aggressive with putting out the, the anger in our hearts. If, if not, that sin will be fanned into flame. Seeds of hatred will grow. Waves of resentment will wash over you. Thoughts of revenge will choke out your thoughts of God. Folks, don't give anger time to root itself in you. Get it done today. How do you do that? You've got to get it to the cross. I, I am convinced that, that it's got to happen. You've got to get... Your sin and the sin of others to the cross of Jesus. That's the only place that sin goes away. Is it not? That's the only place. And what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away other people's sin? Only Jesus. I mean, we've got to get sin to the cross. And we, we've got to leave it at the cross of Christ. Okay? So number one. Or number one, slow to offense. Number two. You've got, you got to reconcile quickly. You've got to get this thing out quickly. You've got to get it to the cross quickly. And number three, we've got to trust God. We've got to trust the Word of God that God will do what He says He will do. Let me, let me read you some verses about what God promises us, okay? Romans twelve nineteen says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You hear that? Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Let me keep reading. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you'll heap burning coals upon your head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay? Man, God promises that is his department. It's not your department. It's not my department. Revenge is not for us. We don't do it well. We, we, we do it sinfully. Okay? We don't see clearly. God does. We don't know the whole story. God does. We're not righteous in our actions. God is. We, we're subject to deceitful desires. God is not. We will not do what is right in the right way, in the right measure, in the right time. God will. And we've got to learn. I'm just going to leave that to God. Don't try to handle it yourself. Don't try to punish people. That never works well. It just really doesn't. It never works well. Trust God. Trust God with that person 
And also trust God with yourself. I mean, I, I come back to this verse a lot. It's in First Peter 2, and it's talking about Jesus. And it says in verse 23, when he was reviled, okay, when people cursed him, when they slandered him, it says he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued. I like this part. He continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Entrusting himself. Okay, what does that mean? That means that we, we say, okay, God, this person, they, they, they hurt me, and I'm, I'm going to put them in your hands. And, 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 you know, sometimes that doesn't even mean, God, I want you to punish them. Sometimes it just means, God, just take care of them because I, I can't handle it. I love them, you know. If it's your spouse, if it's your kid, I mean, obviously, you, you don't want God to hurt them, you know. But, but you also don't want to, you don't want to bear that load either. And so we got to take it to the cross and say, Jesus, you got to take care of this. But you know what, what Jesus did there? It said, who entrusted himself. He said, God, I'm going to trust you to take care of me. You see, a lot of times we feel I've been hurt so badly or this has happened to me or I've been slandered or I've been, you know, wronged in this way. And now what's going to happen to me? You know what Jesus did? Jesus said, God, I'm going to trust you with me. I'm going to trust myself to you. God, you take care of that person. God, you take care of me. You know, in both of those things, you know what's happening there? We're affirming the bigness of God to run the world. Man, we got to do that. We've we got to be able to do that if we're going to manage our anger. We've got to just trust that God is big enough to handle these things. Folks, if we don't do that, if we don't deal with our anger in that way, you know what's going to happen? Lots of bad things. Revenge, bitterness. Man, you, you know what, and I've said this before, maybe it's just because I've struggled with it in the past, but I think the worst of all those is self-pity and self-focus. Man, that, that's a killer. <laughs> that's, a, that's a cancer. That's a disease, okay? When, 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 when people nurse their anger, you know what happens? Pride takes over and it becomes about me, okay? They offended me. They hurt me. They mocked me. They ignored me. They neglected me. They rebelled against me. I was embarrassed. Don't mess with me. Don't you do that to me. What's the big word in all those things? It's me, isn't it? That's a killer to you spiritually. When, when me is the big thing. And folks, if, if we don't manage that, all those things are going to attack. And, and you, know what, you know what this says? says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. Verse 27, give no opportunity to the devil. What, what is that talking about? The implication there is, is if you don't manage your anger well, the devil has an opportunity. Sin is, you know, I think back to, to Genesis chapter 4. Remember the first, first conflict, first murder? Genesis chapter 4, verse 5 and 7, Cain and Abel. It says, but for Cain... Uh, and his, his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry. This is verse 5. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. Okay, so man, Cain's got all this anger. What does God tell him? Verse 6. The Lord says to Cain, why are you angry and why is your face fallen? Verse 7. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, listen. Sin is crouching at the door. And its desire is for you. But you must rule over it. Man, I think that's in the same vein of what Paul's saying here. Man, if, if you don't deal with this, this heart that's wrong inside of you, the devil's going to have an opportunity. That word opportunity, it's an interesting word. It means a place to stand or a, play, a spot, okay? You know what you do when you don't deal with your anger? You give the devil a spot in your life. You give him a spot. 
You say, well, I can handle that. You know, I'm ready for him. No, you can't. Okay? You give him a spot in your life. Folks, please listen. Hear the word of the Lord. It will be destructive to you. It will be harmful to you always. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not planning on sin. I'm not really going to take my revenge. He will eat you up if you give him a place in your life. Folks, the devil will use anger to harm your relationship with God. When you stoke and nurse your anger, that's going to produce all kinds of things in you that, that are going to hinder your fellowship with Jesus. It's going to produce pride and self-pity and self-focus and hatred and all kinds of other sins. You know what? You're not going to be able to pray rightly. Have you noticed that? And you say, well, man, if I'm angry, I can still pray. You can't pray rightly. You can't. And, 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 and probably many of you have experienced it. I can't even pray. You know, I mean, I, I can't even do it. Hey, have you ever tried to praise or try to be thankful to Jesus or soak up the word while you're fuming inside? You can't do it. I mean, it's going to tear you up spiritually. If you're trying to take communion or minister to others or, or teach a Sunday school class or a team, class, it doesn't work. Why? Because you let the devil have an opportunity in your life. He not only wants to harm your relationship with God, but he, he wants to harm your relationship with others. And if we harbor anger, especially against a brother, man, you know what that's going to do? It's going to hurt your relationship with that person. You say, I don't care. I don't need them. Well, that's a lie. First of all, you do need them. That's what the Bible says if they're, if they're a Christian. But you know what it's also going to do? It's going to rip away at the fabric of this church. That's real. I feel that. I see that. Here's what 1 John says. I'm not sure if I... Turn this one in. I don't have it marked here. And I can't find 1 John. 419. It says, We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Psalm 6618. It says, If I cherish iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Man, this is serious. And I'm just, I'm just so convinced that we can't get away with this. See, there's a lot of sins that we think we can get away with. You can't. Let me read you what I wrote in my journal some time back. And I'm not going to read you about the situation, but I'm going to read you about the application, all right? Instead of dealing with these, those emotions by taking them to the Lord, saturating my mind with truth, instead I pushed it deep inside, allowed myself to stew and imagine and reproduce scenarios in my head, all of which is harboring anger and revenge. And then I put point. I don't know if you ever do that in your journals, but I put point. Whenever I put point, that means this is truth, okay? You can't get away with that spiritually. No one can. It will eat you alive. God, help me to flee from that sin. Man, I believe that. I can't get away with that. If I don't deal with my anger, I will not be your pastor. I will not be anybody's pastor. If you don't deal with your anger, you won't be right spiritually. You may stay married, but you won't have a good marriage. You may be a dad or a mom, but you won't be a good one. I promise. I, I mean, just the, the Word of God right there. I don't, I, it can't happen. 
It can't happen. You, you, can, you can be a faker, but that's all you'll be is a faker. That's, that's how critical this is. If we're going to survive as believers and as a church, we've got to do what's right with our anger. When? Now. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. I looked it up. Sunset tonight, 8.53 p.m. I, I know you're saying, well, Jesus' point is now. Okay, his point may be now, but don't say, well, his point is now, which means sometime this week. No, I think you better, you better take 8.53 p.m. as literal. That gives you less than 12 hours. And there's some things it takes a while to work through, doesn't it? We better get started. Father, we need your grace. And Lord, we're so thankful for the cross. Lord, without the cross, we would have no hope whatsoever in this area. Or in any area, God. But God, we just, we thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your blood that takes away our sin. That washes us. That makes us righteous. That joins us to Jesus. And Father, we pray that we might put off unrighteous anger. That we might put off bitterness and resentment and malice and hatred and unforgiveness. And God, help us to put on forgiveness and peace and joy and trust. Father, we ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen.